Boys and girls, did you think about the question I asked you this morning? The question that I asked everyone. Do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? As we try to explain this morning, there is no greater privilege imaginable than to know that the Lord, Jehovah, the I am that I am, that He is not only the shepherd, but that He is my shepherd. Think of this. The connection between this glorious, majestic God, the creator of the universe, the I am that I am, to think that it is His delight and it is His good pleasure to be the personal shepherd of His children. That this God desires to have a relationship with fallen sons and daughters of Adam. And that to accomplish that, the shepherd became the sheep, as we saw this morning. The shepherd became the sheep in the fullness of time. And he became the only sheep that was utterly forsaken by his father in order to secure this glorious reality so that God's children throughout the ages have made this psalm their personal creed. Oh, what a privilege to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And dear believer, do not think for a moment that it's presumptuous for you to make that confession. It is the desire of God. It is the desire of this God who has loved you with an everlasting love. This God who gave His Son in the fullness of time. It is His desire that you would come to that recognition. That He is your shepherd. And therefore we shall not want. There was some discussion this morning after the service as to what that exactly means. What does it mean, I shall not want? And let me again remind you that the rest of the psalm clearly articulates for us what that means for the believer. And so, I shall not want means that this shepherd, no matter what happens to me, no matter what my circumstances may be, this shepherd will make me to lie down in green pastures. This shepherd will lead me beside still waters. This shepherd will restore my soul. This shepherd will lead me in the path of righteousness. This, this shepherd will keep and protect me when the pathway leads to the valley of the shadow of death. This, this shepherd will nourish me in the presence of mine enemies. This shepherd will cause my cup to run over. This shepherd will see to it that his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, will bring me home. He will not fail to bring his sheep home to their ultimate destiny so that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this evening we want to consider with you Verse 2 of Psalm 23. Verse 2. He 
this shepherd, Jehovah the shepherd, the I am that I am, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. And so what we see in this passage is the shepherd's loving care for his sheep. And again, three simple points, points that are evident from the text. First of all, he provides nourishment for them. He leads them in green pastures. He causes them to lie down in green pastures. Secondly, he provides refreshment for them because he also leads them beside still waters. Or to put it very simply, boys and girls, this shepherd makes sure that his sheep have enough to eat and he makes sure that his sheep have enough to drink. And then the overarching theme of all this is rest. He makes me to lie down. He provides rest for his sheep, causing them to lie down in green pastures, leading them beside still waters. So the shepherd's loving care for his sheep. He nourishes them, he refreshes them, and he gives them rest. As we pointed out already this morning, congregation, sheep are helpless creatures. Sheep cannot make it on their own. A sheep without a shepherd will inevitably perish. Sheep is not capable of finding precisely the right grazing ground, that green grass that it needs to flourish. The sheep is not capable of finding the proper source of water by which it can be refreshed. A sheep will be foolish enough to drink from stagnant pools of water and thereby do great harm. Sheep are helpless. And as we pointed out this morning, yet this is the metaphor that the Scripture uses to describe the people of God. And every true believer readily would agree with that. We know from experience how foolish we are, how inclined we are to stray, how inclined we are to lose sight of the shepherd. And every believer, especially if by the grace of God, we may be already on the narrow way that leads to glory for some time. Oh, we know, had we been left to ourselves... Had the shepherd not watched over us, had the shepherd not cared for us, we would have perished already. And so a good shepherd understood, of course, that his sheep could not prosper unless they are nourished well. That his sheep could not prosper unless he would see to it that their basic physical needs would be provided for on a regular basis. And you have to realize that in the context in which David writes in the Middle East, that was a very challenging task for a shepherd. A shepherd would have to go out of his way to always be on the lookout for pastures where his sheep could graze, 
always would be engaged in thinking of ways to make sure that also his sheep would be able to drink. And for a shepherd in Israel, his whole reputation was bound up in how well his sheep looked. You can rest assured that when shepherds would meet each other, and when their sheep would mingle around the same well, they would be checking out each other's sheep to see how healthy they were, how well they were cared for. And so the reputation of a shepherd was all bound up in the well-being of his sheep. A congregation that is infinitely more true of the great shepherd of this psalm. Oh, this shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, this shepherd is utterly committed to the spiritual well-being and the spiritual prosperity of his sheep. This blessed shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, does not want his sheep to be, to be famished. He does not want them to be malnourished. He, will, he does not want them to be parched. Oh, this shepherd wants his sheep to prosper. And David looked back on his life, and he realized how amazingly God had cared for him. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And the idea is here, he he repeatedly, he continually makes me lie down in green pastures. And so those would be the areas where there would be a sufficient supply of green grass. Not only a sufficient supply, but also an area where the sheep would feel comfortable. Because sheep are very easily spooked. Very easily they become uncomfortable. They become insecure. Because there are so many dangers that surround them. The shepherd knows that. And the Lord Jesus knows that about you too, dear child of God. He knows how easily we are spooked. He knows how easily we become unsettled. He knows how quickly we become discouraged. He knows how easily we lose the way. And his tender care for you as your shepherd, is to make sure to so care for you that you will sense a sense of security in his presence. And so a good and faithful shepherd, as I said earlier, he would know where those green pastures were. He would be thoroughly acquainted with the region. And he would lead, and he would guide, and he would direct his sheep to find those green pastures. So, of course, we want to make the application, the spiritual application. So, what are the green pastures into which Christ leads his children today? A congregation that is very simple. The pasture of his precious word, the means of grace... 
the proclamation of the word, the affirmation of that word, also by means of the sacrament. Those are the means that Christ has ordained to nourish the souls of His people. And so we could say that the living word, that's what Christ is. You will often hear me say that. Christ is the living word. And so as the living word, he leads us into the pastures of his written word in order to nourish us. A congregation, he does that especially here within his house. It is especially on the Lord's day that the shepherd of the sheep provides, as it were, a spiritual oasis in the midst of the waste-howling wilderness of this life. That's what this place ought to be. The sheep should know that this is a place where we can be fed. They should know that this should be an oasis where we can come and where we can safely feed in the pastures of God's Word. That makes my responsibility an enormous one. Because that's my task. That's what I'm called to do by the great shepherd of the sheep. My task as his under-shepherd is to lead you into the green pastures of his word. In order that you may be nourished by that word. In order that you may be strengthened by that word. In order that you may come to a place in which literally in a safe environment, away from this wretched world that surrounds us, because as Christians we live in a very hostile world. We live in a very hostile environment in which everything conspires against us as Christians. What a blessing it is to be able to come to the house of God and to know here is an oasis. Here is the place where the wells of salvation flow. Here is the place where the great shepherd desires to nourish his children, his sheep. And so I want to highlight just a few things. So what are some of the pastures in which Christ leads us through his word? He leads us into the pasture of his finished work. Secondly, he leads us into the pasture of his precious promises. Thirdly, he leads us into the pasture of his infinite love. And fourthly, he leads us into the pasture of the reality of that unbreakable union between himself and between us. That unbreakable union that unites the shepherd to his sheep. So let me just briefly unpack them. First of all, the pasture of his finished work. What need we have time and again to be redirected to what He has accomplished by His finished work, to be redirected to the cross. That's why the cross has to have such a central place in the preaching. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Time and again, we need to be redirected to that cross, 
Time and again, we need to be instructed that that cross is the foundation of our salvation. That cross and what happened on that cross, there alone lies the foundation for our relationship with the shepherd. We need to be redirected time and again precisely what it is that Christ accomplished there. Because we are very slow learners, very slow learners, so quick to forget, so quick to lose sight of a crucified Christ. It's actually amazing that we, as ministers of the gospel, ultimately end up bringing the same message over and over again. And why is that? is because the biblical gospel, listen carefully, the biblical gospel is counterintuitive. That means it runs directly contrary to our natural way of thinking. And so we, so quickly, the sheep get spooked, so quickly we lose sight of the shepherd. And what a blessing it is to come to the house of God and to be redirected to look to Him, to be redirected to what He has accomplished on the cross. Oh, that is a pasture that can never, ever be exhausted. That's why we read together in John 6, or this verse I didn't read, but it follows the portion we read where where Jesus says, For my flesh is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. That's what we do at the Lord's Supper. There we are feeding upon that sacrifice in order to be strengthened. Because feeding upon His accomplished work on the cross is what strengthens the soul of the sheep of Christ. But secondly, and closely connected to it, Christ leads us into the pasture of His promises. Oh, God's Word abounds with promises. How precious are the promises of God. And dear believer, don't let anybody ever tell you that it's presumptive on your part to make use of the promises of God. Wilhelmus Abrakol, in his work, devotes an entire chapter, a remarkable chapter, in which he exhorts the people of God to make use of God's promises. Think about yourself as parents. How would you feel if you have promised your child something and your child would indicate to you that they don't believe you, that they don't trust you? that they don't take you at your word, that would grieve you deeply. You would say to your child, what have I done for you to so distrust me? And this is infinitely more true of God's promises. Oh, in, in His promises, God reaches out to His people. In His promises, God encourages us to take hold of His promises, to take hold of His very own word. Oh, my dear congregation, God loves to be reminded of His own Word. He loves to be reminded of His own promises. God knows how slow we are to believe all that Christ has accomplished. 
And by means of his promises, he encourages us to come to him. He encourages us to take hold of him. Oh, those promises were secured also by the cross. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1 that all of God's promises are yea and amen in Christ. That means that Christ himself, the shepherd, he is the warranty of God's promises. God keeps his promises, not because we deserve it, but he keeps his promises. He honors his promises because he loves his son. He loves his son who is the written word of God, the the living word of God. And you see the living word is the warranty of the written word. And therefore, we are encouraged to make use of those promises. Brockle, in his chapter, he gives the direction and says, "Go when you find yourself in a certain situation, he says, go to the word of God and find a promise that fits your circumstances and take hold of that particular promise. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you can steal the promises of God. What an abominable perversion that is of the Word of God. What a, what a perversion that is of who God is. What a distortion of His precious Word. Dear believer, dear sheep of the shepherd, do not hesitate to take hold of his word. Do not hesitate to take hold of his very own promises. Do not hesitate in your prayers to say, Lord, do as thou hast said. He also leads us into the pasture of his Father's infinite love. That's ultimately his desire, you see. His desire for his sheep is that we would grow in our understanding of the gospel, grow in our understanding of who he is. Because his ultimate desire is to bring us to his Father. That's why I said last week when I began my ministry among you, this is what he says about himself. I am the way to the Father. I am the truth about the Father. I am the life with the Father. Christ's ultimate desire is to bring us into the enjoyment of a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. Christ wants His sheep to understand that His Father loves you with the same love with which He loves His Son. Open your Bibles and turn to John 17, 23. John 17, 23 where he says this. This is that amazing high priestly prayer. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And here it comes, this amazing statement. And hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Do you read what it says there? Dear believer, Christ is praying that you would know that. 
He is praying. You see, that is part of that nourishment, that nourishment that we find in those green pastures. He is saying, my heavenly Father, that my people, that they might know that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. That's an astonishing reality. That's an astonishing truth. Dear believer, think of it. Your heavenly Father loves you with the same love with which He loves His only begotten Son. That's a love that is infinite. That is a love that is eternal. That's a love that never wavers. That's a love that will never let you go. That's the privilege of being a sheep of the shepherd. The privilege is that God has brought you into his family, that God has made you the recipient of the love with which he loves his son. And my job, our job as ministers of the gospel, is to explain that to you, to lead you into the green pastures of his word. When we begin to grasp that, that our Father loves us with the love with which He loves His Son, that we realize that that's a love that will never, never let us go. That is a love that has no beginning, a love that endures forever. And that, of course, and I've already alluded to this, the pasture of, of leading us to a growing understanding that our union with Christ, our union with that shepherd is an unbreakable union. That's why the Apostle Paul could say so boldly at the end of Romans 8, nothing. And you know he makes a whole list of all the things that could potentially separate us from God. He said, nothing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And so once we are a sheep of the shepherd, once we belong to that flock, we cannot perish, and we will not perish. Not even a Peter, a foolish sheep, who denied his master three times, but his master never let go of him. He looked at him, and he went out, and he wept bitterly. A master who had said to him, Satan has desired to sift you as the wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Oh, how rich are the pastures into which the shepherd leads us. That's why we need to abide in him, you see. We need to abide in his word. Yes, coming to the house of God is a special privilege. It is especially the ministry of the gospel that is ordained by the shepherd in order to feed the sheep, to lead us into the green pastures of his word. But we have a responsibility to be in that word, not just on the Lord's day. We need to be in that word every day. And Christ promised us, if we do, if we abide in his word, the fruits will be accordingly. And so as sheep of the shepherd, it's no luxury for us to be in the Word. We need to be in the Word. 
But the benefits are so rich. And so, dear child of God, do not ever compromise in this area. Consider it as a sacred priority of your day to be alone with that Word, to be in that rich pasture of His Word, to feed upon that Word. Because Christ will not disappoint you. He has promised that if we seek Him, we will be found of Him. When we graze in our personal devotions, when we graze in those pastures, we will find nourishment for our soul. There's a beautiful prophecy in Isaiah 49, verse 10. They shall not hunger nor thirst. Remember, this reminds us of John 6. Neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that has mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. That brings us to our second point. Because not only does he, is he committed to nourish his sheep and to lead them into those green pastures, sometimes even using affliction. We will deal with affliction later. Sometimes using affliction. In other words, if we as sheep begin to behave ourselves foolishly, if we wander away from those pastures, He will not hesitate to afflict us in love to bring us back to the pastures of His Word. But He also leads us beside the still waters. It's actually very simple to understand this. Boys and girls, you know that in order for you to be healthy, you don't just have to eat, but you also have to drink. And so our meals consist of those two basic elements, food to nourish our bodies and water to refresh our bodies. Our bodies are very dependent on water. Our bodies consist of water 70%. We cannot live without water as we cannot live without food. And so Christ, as the shepherd of his sheep, He also sees to it that His people are also refreshed while they are grazing in those pastures. That's why in the Beatitudes, the Lord Jesus clearly describes spiritual life as consisting of a hungering and thirsting after righteousness using the most basic elements, the most basic desires that all human beings can relate to. And so the sheep of the shepherds, they needed to be fed, but they also needed to drink in order for them to prosper. But in order for them to be healthy, they needed to drink clean water. They needed to drink running water. They needed to drink pure water because sheep can be very foolish. They would drink stagnant water and thereby do great harm to themselves. A shepherd knew not only how important it was for his sheep to eat the proper grass, but he knew they needed to drink, but they needed to drink the right kind of water. And again, a good shepherd, an accomplished shepherd in Israel, he knew where those places were. 
And he would lead his sheep to those places where they could drink. And again, where they could drink peacefully. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He knew that a, 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 a river that would be a very full with water and would be bursting with energy, that that kind of a river would be the wrong place for a shepherd to bring a sheep. It would spook them. No, they needed to be led to quiet waters. Quiet waters again. Again, a place where they could feel safe and secure. And that's what the shepherd would do. He would lead them to that still water. And that's what Christ does. The Christ whose desire it is to nourish His people is the Christ whose desire it also is to refresh His people. Psalm 46 verse 4 says, There is a river, the stream whereof shall make glad the city of God. So what is it that refreshes the soul of the believer? What is it that makes me truly prosper spiritually? What is it that enables me to taste something of that unspeakable joy, that peace which passes all understanding? It is when our grazing in the pasture of God's Word also leads us to the ultimate goal of all that, and it's for us to have communion with the living God. Communion with God. That's the desire of this shepherd. That is the desire of Christ, that through His ministry, we would not only be strengthened according to the inner man, but that we would have fellowship and communion with His Father. Again, so that's how it was when God created Adam and Eve, when He created them in His image, when He created them in this very special covenant relationship with Himself, this father-child relationship, this love relationship between Himself and Adam. And one of the essential components of that relationship was not only that Adam and Eve served Him perfectly, but that daily they enjoyed communion with Him. Every morning and evening in the cool of the day, they would meet with their Maker, and God would open up His heart to His image bearers. He would reveal His love to them, and they would respond to that love and enjoyed communion with their Maker. Because that is ultimately the essence of a true love relationship, even today. A good marriage is a marriage in which there is fellowship between husband and wife, in which there is communion, in which they open their heart to each other and express that love. And that's God's desire. It's God's desire, not only that through His Son we would be reconciled to Him, His desire is that we would live in fellowship and communion with Him. And that's what our response should be to His Word. For when we are in the Word, when we read the Word, when we hear the Word, it is God who is communing with us. 
And he longs that we would respond to his word and commune also with him. And congregation, it is one of the marks of a living soul. One of the marks of a living soul is that there is nothing sweeter on this side of heaven. There is nothing sweeter than to experience that communion, that spiritual communion with God. As a matter of fact, I would venture to say that once we have experienced that, once we have tasted that, the sweetness of communion and fellowship with God, that we will be spoiled for the rest of our lives. And yet that is the rich benefit That's why we are such foolish sheep. We are so foolish that we are so readily neglectful of using the means of grace. That we are so neglectful of grazing in the pasture of God's Word. How much we lose and how stunted our spiritual life often is because we are not grazing in the pastures that the shepherd has so graciously provided for us. And that's why true spiritual growth is manifests itself by a growing longing for communion with God, a growing desire for communion with God. Ultimately, for a child of God, it's the only thing that truly makes him or her happy. Those moments, those sweet moments, those unforgettable moments, they spoil us for the rest of our lives. And they make us increasingly long, long for that day when we shall be delivered from the body of this death. Long for that day when we shall forever dwell in unbroken communion with the living God. That's why when God's children arrive in heaven, they will not be doing a strange work. They will merely enjoy perfectly what they already began to experience here in this life. And so it is the blessed work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is His work to stir this up. He is ultimately the fountain of all spiritual activity. He is the spirit of this shepherd. He is the spirit of Christ. His work it is to glorify Christ. His work is to reveal Christ to us. His work is to unveil to us the unsearchable riches of Christ in order to draw us into communion and fellowship with the living God. And so that Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Son. As the Spirit of the Father, He leads us to the Son to behold the glory and the beauty and the preciousness of the Son. And as the Spirit of the Son, He then leads us to the Father to have communion with Him. That's why I said last Sunday, not only is He the way to the Father, not only is Christ the truth about the Father, But ultimately, He is the life with the Father. And so finally, we've already alluded to this throughout the message, it provides 
true spiritual rest for them. That's what the shepherd desires. He desired for his sheep to find those times of rest. He knew that that rest was essential to their well-being. And it's the desire of the great shepherd of the sheep to lead us into that rest, that rest that can only be found in him. And as I said earlier, that's why my responsibility is so enormous. Because I am called to preach God's Word in such a way, to open the Scriptures in such a way that God's people will experience that rest which remains for the people of God. To experience, to experience the truth of the Savior's own words, that if we come to Him, we shall find rest for our souls. In the Song of Solomon, there's a beautiful passage. Solomon 1, verse 7, it says, Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. And oh, may God grant that we may experience this over and over again. And here, especially in His house, especially under the ministry of word and sacrament, we may experience that sweet rest, that sweet communion with God. That by faith we will appropriate the Word of God, the promises of God, to find rest in what God has said, ultimately to find rest in Christ Himself. Oh, it is through the gospel that... The shepherd says to his sheep what we read in Psalm 116, verse 7, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully for me. Because it is Christ's desire, it is the desire of your shepherd, dear believer, that you will be so strengthened and will be so encouraged through his word that you can return into a very hostile world, that you will be able to run the race that He has set before you, that here in His house your soul may be strengthened, your soul may be nourished, your soul may be refreshed, so that you can deal with all that comes your way. So you can deal with all of the temptations, all the trials that are part of everyday life, because it is a very hostile world, hostile, hostile to Christ, hostile to biblical Christianity. And we cannot make it unless we stay close to the shepherd. And at some point in the future, I hope to do a whole series on John 15, what it means to abide in Christ. Let me simply say this at this time. What's so beautiful about that passage is that Christ, again, on the eve of His suffering, He's saying to His disciples, don't just come to Me, but you need to stay with Me. You need to abide in Me. You need to walk with Me. You need to live in fellowship with Me. Oh, how much we miss 
how much we live, and I include myself, how often we live below our privileges. Remember this morning we quoted John 10 verse 10. We read it together. I am come, he says, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Dear believer, in Christ is everything you need for your spiritual well-being. In Him is an infinite source of spiritual grace and blessing. It is His desire that you would prosper. It is His desire that you would experience His love and His favor in an abundant measure. And it would be the joy of my heart if God would be pleased to use my feeble efforts to bring that about in your life and that God would, and pray for this, pray for this, that God will enable me to lead you into those rich pastures, to lead you to those still waters. You know what's so beautiful? That this is ultimately the everlasting prospect of the people of God. Open your Bibles, please, to Revelation 7. Revelation 7, a remarkable passage. Revelation 7, verse 17. Revelation 7, verse 17. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne. Listen, listen carefully what it says here. The Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, the glorified shepherd sheep, the glorified Emmanuel, the Lamb, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And so, dear believer, what begins here is but the beginning. What He already does now for you, He will do forever. He will forever be your shepherd. He will forever feed you. He will forever lead you to fountains of living waters. This Christ will forever lead you deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of God. A journey that will never, never end. But that begins here. That begins here. That's why when God's children close their eyes, they will not be doing a strange work. They will then be engaged in something that already began here. And so again, congregation, is this Christ your shepherd? Do you belong to his flock? Because those privileges that I've described here tonight, those privileges belong only to the sheep of that flock. If you do not yet belong to that flock, you may enjoy some of the perks of this culture and of this world, but it's but for a brief season. What does it profit a man? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and if in the end he will lose his soul. Oh, boys and girls, I hope that you, too, have an intense desire to be 
sheep of that flock, to belong to that flock. And again, I want to emphasize the amazing thing about this shepherd is that he continues to bring sheep into that flock. That's why the gospel is still proclaimed to you today. Oh, it is that shepherd who so graciously invites sinners to come to him, promising that he will in no wise cast us out. Oh, do not rest. Do not rest until you may know that this shepherd is also your shepherd. And dear people of God, that God may cure us of living below our privileges. In this shepherd, everything is to be found that you need. This shepherd says to you, my people, open your mouth and I will fill it. How amazing is the final, final promise of the Scriptures. Revelation 22, verse 17, in light also of this message, where we read this, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for the privilege of having been in this spiritual oasis, Thy house, that Thou dost please, that Thou art pleased to lead us, especially here, into the green pastures of Thy Word, and to lead us beside still waters. Lord, we pray fervently that it may have been so today, that those who by grace belong to this shepherd may have been encouraged by what they have heard about this shepherd, that it would encourage them to faithfully use those means of grace, not only by coming here, but daily, to daily graze in the pastures of that precious word. For we serve a Christ, we serve a shepherd who will never put to shame those that seek him. Oh, remember us so in mercy. Be with the whole congregation. We pray for those who do not yet know this shepherd in a saving way. Oh, Lord, remember them in mercy, lest they would perish, having lived under the proclamation of the gospel, and that they would yet seek thee while thou art yet to be found. Go with us now as we go homeward. Give us traveling mercies. Go with us into the coming week. Bless us in our daily calling. Bless our young people in school. Keep us safely and gather with us again on the following Lord's Day. Forgive our sins of this day and of this hour, both in speaking and hearing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.